0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Kirsten Carl. Kirsten is a licensed psychotherapist serving clients in Los Angeles for the past 13 years and now in virtual sessions throughout California. She specializes in helping women break through barriers to fulfilling relationships. She firmly believes it's not about finding the right one. It's about clearing the wreckage that's blocking your self-love, abundance, and wholeness. When you become the best version of yourself, then you attract the right one. Sign up for a complimentary mini session at her website, kcarlmft.com, to identify what's blocking you from your ideal relationship. Welcome, Kirsten. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Kirsten Carl is here with me today. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So today I'm excited to talk about your specialty. I know you work with women, you help women feel whole in the context of relationships, and I think there's a lot of good things for us to talk about today.
1: Absolutely. I think it's a really relevant topic.
0: Yes. Yes, I know, in terms of kind of thinking about how people are reevaluating relationships during this time and redefining them. So, yeah, I'm excited to be able to talk about that more. A lot of your work has to do with helping individuals navigate relationships as well as think about what they want in a partner, maybe if they don't have a partner yet. Yeah. Can you just talk about a little bit about your specialty in general?
1: Yeah, so. My passion is helping women who feel stuck in their relationship search. They feel like they're just not able to to find the person they're looking for. And a lot of times people attribute that to the externals, like, oh, if I just took the picture in a different way, or oh, maybe if I dress this way, like they try all these different things to get what they want, but they don't realize that there's a lot of internal things that need to be worked on before they're going to actually find a person. So I'm able to help people kind of clear the wreckage and kind of clear a path toward what they want. So they're not kind of spinning their wheels going, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Because ultimately also, if you're not whole, then you can't really be in a healthy relationship. Like if you're always looking for someone to complete you, or it's hard to set boundaries with people, or it's hard to kind of assert your reality, like your needs and feelings and thoughts, then All those things are going to kind of keep you back from getting what you really want. So I'm here to just help people get a perspective on what maybe they're actually needing to change to actually receive and and find what they're wanting in relationships.
0: Mm -hmm. And people who come to you, is it often that people have had a history of kind of repeated similar outcomes in relationships and want to do things differently the next time? Yeah, absolutely. Like some people come and they have like kind of a wreckage of failed
1: relationships or they find themselves in some sort of relational pattern where they're saying, no, I'm not going to end up there again. And yet they do. And so it's a chance for people to both kind of look at those patterns so that they can stop that trend. And also there are people who have just avoided being in a relationship like they felt too scared or you know, think they want it, but then they go to actually start dating and it just feels too overwhelming to them. So I help people both who haven't really been in relationships and I help people who've been in a lot of failed relationships. And so there's just a chance to really identify either what's keeping you in those unhealthy patterns or what's stopping you from actually jumping in and going for what they want in terms of relationships.
0: So kind of on one end of the spectrum are people, mainly women, because I know you deal mainly with women, but I'm sure yeah. some men too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, my whole practice isn't women, but that's just kind of my focus, but it's not mm-hmm. my only area. Mm-hmm. So, but on one end of the spectrum, you have people who have had repeated traumas or difficulties in relationships. And it seems Mm -hmm. like maybe there's a similar pattern with each relationship that unfolds versus people on the other end of the spectrum or maybe people who just completely avoid relationships.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are ambivalent, especially a lot of women that I work with who are like maybe in their mid thirties or even early forties, like they say, well, I want to have a family. They don't realize why it feels so terrifying for them or Mm -hmm. why they continually find fault in someone. Cause when people have this kind of ambivalence, they think they want to jump in, but when they jump in, it's like, they'll just find faults and like every single person and find all the reasons not to give that person a try. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a balance between not pushing yourself to kind of give up on what you really want, but also not to just avoid it altogether because nobody's good enough. So Mm -hmm. a lot of that relational ambivalence I help people with.
0: And I know we had talked a little bit before we decided to record this, and you were talking about the difference between external versus internal factors in finding a partner. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of like I was saying, a lot of people, they think, oh, if I just took a better photo or, oh, if I dress differently or, oh, like if I said I was interested in these things, like they think that's what's going to make the difference. But what they really need to do is work on these internal things. So one analogy I have for that is it's like an analogy of building a house. So a healthy relationship would be like the whole house. But a lot of people want the whole house, but they don't realize that there's all these steps in between, like putting in the flooring and then the electrical and the doors and the foundation. And so what I help them do is actually build those things. So one of them is self-love. One of them is owning their own reality, which is their needs and feelings and thoughts. And another is being able to express that reality, which is again, the needs and feelings and thoughts moderately. So that means without like going off in anger or shutting down. And so, so those are some examples of those kind of components or pieces of the house that need to be built. Another analogy that I have is it's called like the abundance analogy. So it's like, A lot of people, they want a partner to complete them or they feel like, oh, I'll be happy when I find that person. But they don't realize that if you're not coming from a place of abundance, like you're not able to meet your own needs and you're totally dependent on trying to find someone else to meet those needs, then neither people will really have someone in the relationship. So it's when you come from that place of abundance, then find someone else who is also in that place of abundance, then you can actually have something to give each other because otherwise it's just kind of like this empty pursuit and both people end up feeling like their needs aren't being met in the relationship by the other person. So it's this balance of like being able to meet your own needs and then being able to look to someone to meet needs when that's appropriate. And then another analogy I have is it's kind of like a map. So therapy is like giving you a map toward these healthy relationships and some of those components that I mentioned as part of the house. And so when we don't get those things in our family of origin, we kind of feel like we're lost in a forest without a map and so it's like trying to put these pieces together those internal pieces that i mentioned so that you actually feel like oh okay i can navigate through this like i can get to where i want to go so it's it's a lot of the kind of deep inner work that needs to happen versus like oh if i change that or if i change that so that's a little bit about kind of the internals versus the externals
0: hmm. Got it. So that's kind of a focus on the work in therapy. Is that a big part of it then?
1: Yeah, that's a big part of it. And you can go, go to someone and try to get them to help you write a better profile, but it's like sometimes people don't even really know what they want. And so that's like a big barrier. They don't know what they need. So that's some more of this internal work is like helping people to discover what it is they really want or what it is they really need. And a lot of times when there's trauma in someone's early history, they conditioned to always focus on what other people need and they, they don't even know what they need. So sometimes that's a first step. Like that's some of the internal work is like, what do I actually need in a relationship? Like, what do I actually want in a relationship? What is my true identity? So it's a lot of that deeper work that I help people with. And then mm. when they do that, they can eventually start to really attract a person who's like in a better place like that versus somebody who's also empty and hasn't done the internal work and just kind of wants to merge with someone to complete them.
0: Right. And probably finding the partner that's maybe a better fit for you overall as kind of your true self or whole self.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that comes down to like, what do you really want? Like when you go on these dating apps, like some people say, yeah, I just want to hook up or I'm here for short-term dating. And it's like, if you're looking for a life partner, like you have to have the confidence to kind of go through that process of interviewing people and putting that out there. Like, yeah, I am looking for a life partner. I'm not looking for just a short-term thing. And so Mm -hmm. that's a big piece is kind of knowing what you want, what your destination is and being okay with that and being okay with, yeah, like I probably will turn some people away, be upfront with that because you don't want to waste time. It's like, especially like I said, women in their 30s and 40s, it's like, I don't want to date someone for three years just to date them when they never even want to be in a long-term relationship or a partnership or have a family. So a lot of it is kind of owning what you want and not being afraid to kind of filter people out based on that or to really put that forth in your profile of what you're looking for.
0: Right. Do you work with people on their profiles? on their dating profiles or
1: no? I don't actually help them write the profile, but I definitely help them like identify, like what is it that you actually want? And to actually identify like, what are some of the character traits that I want in someone? Because a lot of people write profiles kind of like, I like to swim and I like to eat sushi or whatever. And it's like, that's not really telling you much about someone. And so kind of encouraging them to think about their profile in terms of, kind of going deeper with it and not just having it be surface because some of the surface profiles and the surface interactions on the dating apps, like they're not really, it doesn't really go anywhere. So it's like, if you're really wanting a long-term relationship and a partner, like let's figure out some things for you to put forth out there. So, you know, we're not going to actually open their profile in session, but I definitely help them to identify, how they can switch it up, like how they can switch it up to something that might be more meaningful and might lead them toward interactions with people who are looking for more than just surface things. Right.
0: Let's move on to then say somebody then gets into a relationship, right? And I'm sure you see people through this process. So you know them, you know, while they're looking and then they enter and maybe try you know, a few different relationships and I'm sure part of the therapeutic process is really kind of analyzing how they are in those relationships and really kind of looking at it through a different kind of viewpoint while they're in therapy. So let's say someone kind of gets into a relationship and feels this is really the right person. You know, when you think about appropriateness or health of a relationship, how do you work with somebody in terms of recognizing maybe things that are maybe red flags, things that are of concern if someone's in a relationship and maybe it it isn't the healthiest? Yeah, like one of like the kind of
1: greater premises for identifying the red flags is like listening to your gut instinct. So a lot of people who've been through trauma, like they don't listen to their gut, like something feels off, but they say, oh, that's not important or whatever, or I'm just being picky. And so part of the reason for that is that during trauma, it teaches us to not listen to our gut instincts, because during the traumatic events, our body is telling us something terrible has happened and then it keeps happening anyways. And then we have no control over it and we blame ourselves for it. And so Mm -hmm. then we learn that when our body tells us something terrible is happening, that we're wrong that we caused it or deserved it or, or that it's not really wrong. So that's kind of part of the work is like helping people really listen to their gut instinct regarding red flags. And so some of the red flags are things like if he calls you baby or a nickname very quickly. And so you might feel flattered if he's calling you beautiful or sweetheart, like 10 minutes into the date or 10 minutes into the the texting. And then most likely if he's calling you that so quickly, he probably does that with other women as well. So that's one red flag to look out for. Another red flag to look for is when the other person is kind of blaming you for feeling bad about you not being able to do something. So basically you're setting a boundary and saying, Hey, I can't make it tonight. And then they say, Oh, I feel so depressed about that. So it's like, you're not there to meet their needs a hundred percent of the time. And if you're saying like, hey, I can't meet that knee tonight. I can't meet up. And then they're saying that they're so depressed or sad, like that's, that's a red flag. And then another red flag is if people aren't able to really talk through misunderstandings and disagreements, because the goal is to reconnect and to understand where each other's coming from, a lack of conflict is never going to happen. Like there are always going to be conflicts. There are always going to be disappointments and disagreements. So It's really about coming back together and attempting to understand each other's point of view. And so a lot of people think, yeah, the goal is to have no misunderstandings or no disagreements when really that's not realistic. So it's like if your partner isn't able to really talk through that and to really try to understand where you're coming from, then eventually it's just kind of going to lead to more resentments and then you're going to feel further and further apart. And so kind of related to that, another red flag would be that the person can't understand your perspective if you don't agree with him. So, understanding doesn't equal agreement. I work with couples and a lot of times they get stuck in this kind of find the bad guy mode. So, like, they're insisting, like, this is how that happened. And, like, they just, if the partner says, no, it happened this way, it's like they can't move forward at all. They can't get to the point where they say, okay, like, even if you think it happened that way and I think it happened this way what's important is how we both felt about it. So I'm going to make an effort to kind of step outside myself and really try to understand where you're coming from, rather than just arguing about like the details of how something happened. So if your partner is walking away or shutting down or putting all the blame on you or throwing a tantrum, like those are some red flags in terms of like them not being able to really work through things and have empathy and understanding for where you're coming from. So Mm -hmm. it's not really about winners or losers. It's about expressing how something makes you feel and then being heard by the other person.
0: Right. So kind of looking for emotional flexibility in relationships or being able to kind of tolerate some discomfort in a relationship. Yeah. Or within Uh, themselves.
1: Yeah. Like when people can't tolerate that and they go into that, kind of like I was saying earlier, like a rage or they shut down it's something you can work on like if if you stay together and you go to a couples therapy or both people are really committed to growing then it's not to say that it could never work but if that person's not willing to do the work on it it's like that's probably not going to change you know like if you're 10 days into the relationship like it's not like all of a sudden he's going to change if you're together with him for like 10 years so it's definitely something to watch out for and to be able to identify, okay, like, is this person willing to work on this? Are they willing to take responsibility for that and really move toward, like, trying to deeply understand where each other are coming from? And if they're not willing to do that, then that might cause you to reevaluate, like, is this really a person that I want to be with long-term?
0: I would assume certain red flags maybe come out much later in a relationship. Yeah. the beginning, you know, it's easy to kind of maybe gloss those over or just not have someone's kind of true self really be apparent in the very beginning.
1: Yeah. Because people are kind of putting forth their best foot or they're kind of like putting on their profile or in the way they interact with you, what you think you want them to say or what you think they want them to do. But yeah, over time, those kind of things would
0: definitely come out. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of a big part though, examining relationships that people are in, especially newer relationships and understanding, okay, is this on the right path? Does it feel like I'm just repeating previous patterns or am I really thinking about this in a different way and approaching it from a more healthy standpoint? Yeah, exactly. And that kind
1: of goes back to that idea
0: of like really knowing what you're
1: looking for it's almost like an interview process in some ways. It's like, kind of like I was talking about earlier, like developing kind of your needs and what you really want. It's like, then you're kind of, it's not like you're interviewing them all at once, but like, as you're getting to know that person, like even over like the initial phone call or the initial FaceTime call or the initial texting interaction, like you're already trying to get a feel for like, what is my gut instinct of this person at first? And if I ask them questions that are kind of relevant to what I'm looking for, like, how do they respond to that? Like, let's say someone has on their profile, like, you know, kind of that example I use, or they have all these surface things like, oh, I like to do this. I like to do that. And then you ask them, well, what are you looking for in a relationship in terms of like character traits? And they don't know. And they keep like repeating the same thing back to you. Like, oh, I like to hike. It's like, that's kind of a red flag because they're not even like being vulnerable enough to disclose what they want in that area, or maybe they don't really want that. Maybe they do just want a companion, or they want something short term.
0: Yeah, well, let's move on to in terms of talking about kind of just knowing you what you want in a partner and yeah. making sure that you kind of stick to that as an yeah. idea of, I mean, and also they're can be flexibility over time as you develop a deeper understanding about yourself too, I imagine. But also during these times when it is an unusual time to be in a relationship and people are questioning, you know, okay, is this the right person for me? Or maybe feeling stuck because of the situation that you would really have no option. I'm sure you've worked with that a lot during the last few months. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a time when
1: loneliness is like becoming a lot more prevalent. And so really knowing what you want and sticking to it, even during a time when people are feeling heightened loneliness, or maybe they're more likely to kind of rush into something because they don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's even more important to listen to like what do I want and being confident and sticking to that. So like, let's say for example, you are talking to some guy in a dating app and you say, hey, like, let's try to find a place to meet up like Starbucks. And then he keeps saying, oh, like, why don't you just come over to my place? It's like, if he's not listening, it kind of goes back to the idea of boundaries. Like if he's not listening to like, what you're comfortable with, or let's say like, you're not comfortable going to his place because you don't want to be exposed to COVID. It's like, if the person's not willing to really listen to that, and they're just kind of like rushing into something and they want you to go their speed, then that's you don't want to settle for that. It's like, you don't want to end up with just some COVID loneliness partner. It's like, you want to stick to like, okay, what do I actually want over time? And having discrimination because kind of back to that idea of like looking to someone to complete you. It's like during COVID, it's like, if you're like, oh my gosh, I just need someone to like fill this void in my life. That's not really going to lead you to what you truly want. So it's like, you have to be able to kind of, weed out those unqualified people and see if they respect those boundaries. Like if they keep insisting that you come to their place, it's like that's not respecting those boundaries. And so part of the work in therapy is like becoming more confident in who you are, becoming more confident and being able to express what you're looking for. And so because of COVID, there are like a lot more people on these dating apps now. And so in some ways it can be positive because you can say, Hey, there's like a bigger pool of people because people are, wanting to find a partner. But on the other hand, it's like, there are a lot of people on these dating apps who are like really just kind of lonely and maybe they don't even want a long-term relationship or they don't know what they want. So really getting clear about what you're looking for and then expressing it is really important. Another thing is, you know, some of these dating apps, you can say, are you open to open relationships or non-monogamy or do you want hookups or short-term dating or long-term dating? Being able to say, that's just not going to work for me. And and that's okay. Like if I'm looking for a life partner, I'm not going to waste my time. And so a lot of women who, like I said, are in their thirties and forties, it's like when your clock is ticking, so to speak, it's like you don't want to waste your time dating people who aren't going to be your partner. So clearly not everyone you go on a date with is going to become your life partner. But just to have a loneliness partner during COVID, it's like that's that's not going to lead you toward what you really want. So therapy is really a way of investing in yourself and really clarifying things and standing up for what you want and not being afraid to say, Hey, I'm looking for a life partner. Like if you're afraid that, Oh, this guy's going to be scared off because he thinks I just want to like rush into marriage. That's not the healthiest place to be. Ultimately you're looking for one person. Like you might be weeding through 500,000 people on a dating app or whatever, but ultimately you're looking just for that one person. So kind of settling for things or relaxing your standards or, being afraid to really stand up for what you want. Like those are definitely not healthy behaviors in the dating process.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I have two questions. One is kind of this idea of how long does somebody give a relationship before saying, okay, this is it, you know, I'm gonna make this commitment and I'm sure it depends on your situation. But how do you counsel that kind of in terms of knowing amount of time, a timeline on it?
1: Yeah. Well, I think some of these dating apps, like, so the first step is like texting on the app. And so if you're like texting on the app for days and it's kind of all surface stuff like, Oh, how are you? What did you do today? You're just spinning your wheels. So it's like maybe during that first day of interaction on the texting over the app, like maybe you want to suggest like, Hey, do you want to take it to the phone and maybe, you could text a little bit over the phone, but like you could even jump over that stuff and just from from the initial dating app texting say, hey, like let's hop on a call. And so that could even be the same day. It could be the next day. It could be the same week. And so once you hop on that call, there's no use in having like five calls like that. Like if you're kind of trying to build that sense of discrimination and really listening for, "Mm, how do I feel with this person listening to your gut instinct then, and I don't think it has to be the man anymore. I think like it's either person can say like, Hey, let's meet up or, Hey, do you want to actually meet up now? So, you know, it could happen within a day or two days that you could actually end up like setting up an actual in-person date. But now with COVID, it's like, maybe that in-person date would be more of like a FaceTime call. So mm-hmm. I think it definitely doesn't have to be drawn out. And I think a lot of people kind of do drag it out when, It's like, yeah, if you're looking for a serious relationship, like within that first week, you could definitely go from like the first texting interaction on the app when somebody likes each other to actually meeting up or having that FaceTime call. And after that first face-to-face, I think you can get a pretty good idea if you're really listening to your gut, like, "Mm, is this viable or not viable? Like like I said, not everybody you date is going to be your life partner, but really listening to yourself. And after that first date, if you're like, eh, it's just for whatever reason, I'm not feeling it. Like, I think it's perfectly fine at that point to just kind of say, Hey, I wish you the best. I'm looking for a life partner. And I just feel like we're not really a good match. So that's totally fine to say to someone, I think, like I said, within that first week. So dragging it out and kind of having days and days of texting or phone calls, like it's not necessarily negative, but the time you're spending with that one person, like maybe you could be spending your time looking for the next person or talking to other people.
0: Yeah. Like Talk about an efficiency in your time, right? If, if time yeah. is of the essence to make sure you kind of spend your time on high quality potential options and healthy options for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it makes me also think, you know, it's not just during COVID times. It's just, it's also kind of women feeling that they're reaching the age where they really need to kind of find a partner, start a family, get moving. Their Time is not different COVID versus kind of getting to, you know, an age where there's more of an urgency to it. But this Mm -hmm. sense of just needing to get moving fast to combat loneliness or age or situation. And I'm sure that's a hard balance to find because sometimes people maybe aren't entirely honest with themselves in the relationship because it's just that they have a relationship that they've always wanted and they kind of are willing to overlook some things.
1: Yeah, that can be tricky because yeah, like you, you don't want to waste your time, but at the same time, you don't want to overlook red flags and just, you know, read into this person what you want them to be. If this isn't the one, like, you know, what's going to happen next? Or am I going to be like 45 and not able to have a kid? It's like, yeah, like you definitely don't want to rush into it for those reasons, but you also want to be efficient. Yeah. And especially like a lot of women I work with are like, busy professionals. And so it's like you have a finite amount of time. So not rushing into things just because you're scared about the clock ticking, but also, yeah, not not wasting your time kind of spinning your wheels. Like maybe when someone's 20, they're like, yeah, if it doesn't work out, you know, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, when you're in your late 30s, early 40s, it's like, yeah, you don't want to just date someone for a year. So yeah, it is really important to kind of strike that balance between right going for what you want and not wasting your time, but at the same time, not kind of making someone into this person that you want them to be when they're not.
0: Right. Or, I mean, I think another thing that often happens, people just have difficulty with being indecisive in terms of, okay, I'm gonna go for it. Like, I think this is gonna work, but always finding faults maybe. And so that's maybe kind of another side of it too.
1: Yeah, kind of like I mentioned about ambivalence. It's like someone might want a relationship, but they don't realize that they have this kind of avoidance, ambivalence thing going on because of past trauma and past relationships. And so it's easy to find fault in someone. Like it's easy for that traumatized part who's really terrified. It feels scary to actually think about being close with someone, like being physically or emotionally intimate, it's like a balance. It's like, you want to be able to kind of soothe that traumatized self. Like a lot of work I do with people is like inner child work. So it's like, if this younger part of yourself that's traumatized is like, no, 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 this is scary. And then that part is causing you to be like, well, I don't really like what he said in that sentence. Like it's a balance between being discriminating, but also not throwing everybody out, like not letting that ambivalent avoidant part of yourself find fault in everything without giving a person a chance. And I think we were talking about that process of how you move forward, like how you get from like the first interaction to meeting someone face to face. I think in some ways you really do need to talk to someone on the phone and ultimately to see them face to face, whether it's FaceTime or in
0: person. And I guess that also makes me think about how much do you go into history of kind of your models of relationships? Yeah.
1: Well, I definitely work from an attachment perspective, so what attachment theory says is that our early relationships set up these templates for our later interactions with people. And so one that's coming to mind is like fear of abandonment. A lot of people, like when there's maybe a small disagreement or misunderstanding, in their heart, they feel like, oh my gosh, is this the end? Is this person going to leave me? Or does this mean we won't be together? And so this really deep fear of abandonment often comes from these early interactions, like let's say even like a mother who's depressed or anxious, or maybe has substance abuse issues. It's like they're in and out of emotional presence with their child. And so it sets up this dynamic where the child, like even in pre-verbal years, they don't know, is mommy going to be there this time or is she not? And so it creates a lot of anxiety that can be felt later on in those kind of relational patterns, like I was saying, of fear of abandonment. So it's like, I'm not here to go on an archaeological dig with people. I'm not here to say, oh, everything's your parents' fault or, you know, let's just talk about the past because of the past. But we we go there, like we make those connections to really have deep breakthrough because I help people with coping skills and strategies and that's awesome and helpful. And I think we definitely need to come up with those things to kind of navigate the present situations. But if you don't go deeper, it's kind of like pulling up like a weed without getting the whole root. It's Mm -hmm. like you're kind of just getting the top of it. So that's why I make those deeper connections to those past relational experiences so that we can really understand, okay, like what is that pattern? How did that get set up? What would that look like if I was no longer operating from that that perspective. And then some of that healing actually comes even in the therapeutic relationship. Like you can have a secure attachment between the therapist and the client, and that can actually help repair some of those wounds.
0: So I think we we went over a lot about kind of relationships and how you work with people. If someone's interested in finding a therapist to really hash out these sorts of patterns and really look forward in terms of what they want in relationships or helping them figure out their current relationships, what is a good place yeah. for them to start?
1: Well, I think first identifying what are your goals for therapy? What are the things you're really wanting to work on? Because when you actually start reaching out to therapists. So I think a good place to start would be if friends or family have any recommendation, that's sometimes, like I said, a good place to start. But also if you're looking online, let's say you're Googling or let's say you go on psychology today or GoodTherapy.org, you can kind of look through a bunch of different therapist profiles. A lot of therapists will say like, these are the things I help people with. These are the things people are coming in for. And so, kind of want to match up like what your goals are with with what that person says they're offering and so a lot of therapists have particular niches so even when when you're on these directories or you're on google you can say hey i'm looking for a therapist to help me with dating or i'm looking for a therapist to help me with attachment wounds or i'm looking for a therapist to help me with depression so you want to kind of be clear on what you're wanting to work on. And then when you read the profiles, when you find the searches, either you find someone's webpage or you find their directory profile, you want to also kind of get a feel for that person. Like, what does this person's style feel like it is? Like, do they feel like kind of a gentle person? Are they a little more kind of confrontational? So you definitely want to get a feel for that therapist individual style. And so if you have a feeling kind of like with the dating profiles, like if if you don't want to like throw everybody out because you see something wrong in all of them, but if you get kind of a good feeling about one, then you might contact them, like email them. so that's oftentimes a good place to start if you can't get a personal referral is to type like I said into Google those terms like therapist for dating or therapist for depression, and then you'll get results either from directories or websites and so. Like I said, also knowing what you want to work on and kind of getting a sense for the therapist and kind of what their, their personality is like when you talk to them. And so that's, that's part of the reason that a lot of therapists offer free phone consultation is so you can kind of get a sense of how they work. And so I would say if there are things that are especially important to you, like you want to work on attachment things, or you want someone who's gentle, like definitely be able to put those things out there and ask them questions about that.
0: Right. And if someone is thinking about doing therapy, but they're not sure and they just want to read a little bit more about the process, are there any good resources for people? Well,
1: Psychology Today is a huge website and they have a lot of stuff on there, like about different types of therapy and different subjects like depression, anxiety, relationships. So I think a place like Psychology Today would be good. Or now on Google, you can even type in things like, you know what is attachment focused therapy or what's a good therapy for depression and when you type in those those questions to google like they'll actually have resources of like various websites that'll have a lot of information about specific things in terms of therapy so psychology today is definitely a big one and if you do a google search like that you'll find a lot of other sites that have topics on different specific things like narcissistic abuse, for example, like there are a lot of narcissistic abuse support websites that have tons of information about the impacts of narcissistic abuse and what the benefit of therapy can be with narcissistic abuse. Got it.
0: Okay. Well, that's very helpful. Is there anything before we say goodbye for the day that you feel like we didn't touch on that you think would be really important for the listener to hear or or parting words? Well,
1: I just want to encourage people that even during this time of COVID, when a lot of people are feeling people who are in relationships are feeling kind of like this pressure of, Oh my gosh, like I'm with my partner all the time, you know, we're stuck at home and and for the single person feeling like, gosh, like how am I going to connect with someone? Or if you are in your thirties or forties and you're like, Hey, I want to try to make this happen in the next couple of years. And then how long are we going to be stuck in this thing? Like, I just want to encourage people that, it is possible to connect even during this time and that this can actually be a time to discover yourself. A lot of people are taking this time to really go deep and reflect so that when this does end, that they'll be maybe even better. Maybe they'll be in a better place in terms of being able to seek a relationship. And like I said, you can definitely still reach out, you know, on these dating apps during COVID, but I just want to encourage people that the silver lining to this, even though it's such a difficult situation and none of us would wish it to have happened, the silver lining is that, hey, here is kind of a space. Here is a time when you don't have as many things going on outside of the house. And so maybe when this ends and you look back, you realize, oh, if I hadn't have had that time during COVID, like maybe I wouldn't have been in that good of a place to actually end up in that relationship and find that relationship that I wanted. So I just want to encourage people not to give up hope and and not to go into the depths of despair about feeling like they're just not getting or not finding the connections that they need during this time. So I, I just encourage people to like maintain an open heart and try to give things a try. Like a dating app, you don't really have much to lose, so to speak, and you never know. So rather than kind of getting stuck in that loneliness and stuck in the kind of negative thoughts about, oh no, like what is the impact of this? Does this mean I'll never find anybody in time? Just kind of like resting into themselves and settling into themselves and saying like, what can I actually do during this time? Like maybe I can start therapy. Maybe I can go on a dating app. Maybe I can really reflect and journal and read books and find good resources on the internet. So I just want to encourage people that, yeah, it is possible to look back on this time one day and say, oh, Maybe something good happened out of this really terrible situation. So don't give up hope. Got it.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate those. Are, those are good parting words. Well, I appreciate you being on, and I'll make sure that your website link is on the description of the episode so the listener can learn a little bit more about you as well.
1: Great. Your work. I've been really happy to be part of this conversation, and I think we covered some important points, and I really hope Me that those helpful for people
0: yeah well thanks again talk to you later absolutely bye bye this has been Mind stories with remote appointments in california and offices in downtown los angeles santa monica formosa beach marina del rey and echo park cal psychiatry specializes in medication management mood and anxiety disorders alternative therapies women's mental health and more to help you get back to your true self visit us at calpsychiatry.com Thank you for listening to my stories and don't forget to subscribe.